was going to fade that out, and I completely Hello and <laughs> welcome to CanQueer, home of Canada's queer media. I swear I do know how a fader works. Um, it just uh, took me a hot second to uh, to get that just right. Okay, well, uh, we're excited. Uh, we are live. We are. You are not. When well, neither of us are in Ottawa right now. Uh, I'm in one uh -huh. of the studios at CIUT. Uh, at the University of Toronto, where some folks are syndicating us from across the country. Some folks listen to us on our podcast, but uh, you are relatively near. You're near me, but not, you know, as in touching distance. Uh, you're near well, me as in geographically. In, in the grand scheme of Canada, uh, we're, we're, we're near each other. Although technically I am in a different biosphere from you. Even just going half an hour out of the city, and you're a different. You're in a different climate zone. So yeah, but uh, well, close enough, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. I mean, not many people measure distance by biosphere. I think we might be. <laughs> I'm just saying that uh, that might be a little niche um, for, uh, for. Well, yeah, business. but you know, going from Ottawa to Hamilton, you're going over three whole climate zones. You know, going from uh, uh, northern coniferous to northern boreal to Carolinian. Clearly, that's a great distance. Or 516 kilometers. Yeah. Yeah. So three biosomes <laughs> is how we're going to measure uh, uh, the distance. All right. Well, it's been, a, it's been a busy week. Lots going on in the LGBTQ plus, uh, plus, plus community. Um, yeah. It's uh, getting back to school season, getting back to catching the common cold season. It's, uh, it's oh, yes. quite, uh, quite hectic. Now, one school that has been... At the center of far more drama and excitement than I think they even thought was possible uh, is mm -hmm. the Trafalgar School over in Oakville. Now, I actually have mm -hmm. uh, I have relatives that, <laughs> that I believe are in that school. So family Ooh. members are uh, in that school. Um, and it's certainly, you know, what was really interesting is I found out about this story through LGBT media and not from the people that I know that are actually at that school. Um, okay. And I think what that speaks to is in certain circles, this news story has gone so big and, and overblown and, and super dramatic and, and mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's crisis and, and drama. And uh, whereas in reality for the students who are going in and out of class, you know, signing up for co-ops and, you know, it's just another Tuesday, just another Friday. Um, and uh, I think folks have moved on. So are you familiar with what I'm talking about here? Well, for our listeners who maybe are not familiar, uh, we're referring to the Oakville Trafalgar School, where a uh, image of the uh, one of the teachers there recently went viral. Um, now, this is a, essentially, this is a, a trans teacher who is clearly going through something. There is something going on in their lives where they are, uh, I assume, I'm jumping to the conclusion here, but, uh, but it would become apparent that clearly there's something going on and they're trying to figure out uh, their, the best way of representing themselves visually uh, in their, in their gender, uh, gender expression. Now, gender identity and gender expression in the uh, province of Ontario is both protected by the Ontario Human Rights uh, Act uh, or the Human Rights Code, I think it is, in the province of Ontario. Um, yeah, so it's, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's a lot. So anyway, 
This image of a teacher in the woodworking class at the Oakville Trafalgar School went viral for uh, what have been described as extremely large prosthetic breasts, and I will mm -hmm. agree with that description. They are um, oh, yeah, yes. distractingly. I think distractingly large is a very apt description, uh, especially in the context of this is a high school trying to teach kids woodworking. So distractingly large is not really something that you're ideally trying to aim for um, in terms of engaging with students. Um, and I want to take a moment to, first of all, touch on that, because what really I think concerns me about this whole news story is not how this teacher has chosen to self-express, but rather uh, how the folks have reacted to it. And I'll get to that in just right. a minute. Now, how this teacher has chosen to self-express, I think, is a... HR conversation that's going to happen between this teacher uh, and their their supervisors. And, uh, you know, we've already heard that the school board has dispatched one of the directors to find out uh, and check in on the dress code, not just for students, but also for the faculty uh, at the school board as well. Uh, it's worth noting that the current dress code for students um, includes not having nipples particularly visible. Um, that mm -hmm. was not the case. They were somewhat, these prosthetic breasts uh, had somewhat visible, not visible, like it was it was apparent in thin clothing. Um, what? Not not somewhat, but yes, go on. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you've got, even I, I you know, if it's a cold day and I'm wearing a thin shirt, even I have a somewhat visible nipple. Um, but I'm also not Wait. teaching a class of woodworking high school students. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I'm a proper Victorian gentleman, and I wear an undershirt so that you, you can do never wear see undershirts. Mine. Yes, I'm, I'm, I have been tempted sometimes <laughs> in like, be, you know, because when it's cold out, you know how um, like burlesque dancers wear those uh, those those covers for their pasties. Your pasties, pasties. yes, I have been tempted for pasties yeah. just for when I'm wearing like a nice shirt and I don't want things to be distracting. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. So if I'm concerned about it and I'm just wearing a nice shirt, you can see yeah. how people are like, okay, is this distracting, interrupting the learning experience? Is it in keeping with the expectations that the students are expected to uphold uh, and that mm -hmm. the staff are expected to uphold? And essentially, the Halton uh, District School Board has said, this is an internal personnel matter. We're not going to comment on you know, on what's happening. And I mm -hmm. also very much would not expect them to. I think that internal HR issues should be kept think, that way. I think before we go on, this is definitely something worth coming back to or, or emphasizing, I, I guess I should say, that that there are so many discussions that you can have about this event. But ultimately, the conclusion is an internal matter. This is something between the employers and the employee, between the school board and the instructor. Uh, we can have our own opinions and we can read into this however we want. But yeah, ultimately, this is an internal matter. At least in terms of the resolution, what that means, we can have this like discussion about what does this represent? But that that's a completely different issue. Yeah. No, I agree entirely. You know, yeah. Like I said, the one of the directors are going to be looking into the the dress code. Um, you know, the school boards and dress codes are always are going to be uh, an ongoing topic. I remember when I was in high school, mm. the big issue was uh, dyed hair. 
Uh, the students mm-hmm. were, had a, a different coloured hair craze, um, and then it was awkwardly pointed out that there is no way on this earth that some of the teachers were sporting their natural hair colours. <laughs> so we, uh, it, it's always going to be up for debate. But whether or not this yeah. is distracting, I think that is a question that the school board themselves will need to address in consultation mm-hmm. with this uh, with this uh, teacher, uh, this this educator, and kind of go from there. But what I think is doing more damage than somebody with distractingly large breasts is the massive protest. Well, not massive. The the significant protest that happened outside of the school on Friday. You know, we're talking about, uh, you know, people with a billboard saying that there's paraphilia uh, happening in the school. If somebody doesn't know what that is. Uh, that that's fair enough because I think it was a typo. <laughs> they, they just misspelt it on, and they, as they were making angry signs uh, to to march outside of the school. You know, I I do understand that folks want to make sure that we're protecting the children attending the school, but I think mm-hmm. that that can be done in 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 the mechanisms that are already in place. You know, if a teacher did something inappropriate. There's mechanisms in place for the parents and the guardians to be able to reach out to that school, different points of contact. You know, if you enroll your child in the school, you're informed of how to follow up on these things. It should not be a surprise to anyone who is directly impacted how to express themselves in that space. And if you're in the area, there's municipal elections coming up. You know, vote for your school board trustees. You know, that's engage in the democratic process. But obstructing, you know, and causing a big scene and causing a distraction and saying, frankly, hateful things, uh, things which run contrary to uh, what would be, you know, the, the really just hateful things, transphobic things does not create a very safe and encouraging or welcoming environment for students uh, who at that point were leaving school on Friday. You know, that must mm-hmm. be quite something to to finish your class, open the door, walk outside, and be uh, besieged by just a wall of angry adults yelling transphobic things uh, based on what one teacher in your your school has done. Um, I don't know. It's, it was shocking and disturbing to see the the reaction to it. We know that. Uh, I wonder. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, sorry, I, I, I don't know. Curious situation, though, and um, I saw some of the, the videos of the protests, and some of it seemed to be more against this person and less against trans people in general, that there's something special and different going on here. But I think this is the kind of thing we'd have to monitor over long term to see how it plays out, because angry mobs are not very good at expressing themselves, generally speaking. You know, you don't really get nuanced of what are, what are you truly trying to say? when people are holding up signs and yelling things that rhyme. Um, yeah, so it, it's it's hard to tell. Um, I don't automatically perceive the reaction as being universally transphobic. Um, some of it obviously is, I'm not denying that. But it's just, there, there's this is a weird edge case. I would call this an edge case. There's something special going on here that's really hard to pin down. Well, I think it's because it is... Uh, it is. Uh, it stands out for its sort of ex- it, it the, being in the extreme. 
you know, uh, trans folks who are teachers, usually you don't bat an eye. But I think uh, for folks who may have seen some of the viral images of this teacher, you're like, okay, wow, mm -hmm. that is that is distracting. Um, you know, even as mm -hmm. a, a, a news image, you're like, oh, wow, I am distracted and drawn to, to that. Um, and I think that it certainly triggered this kind of larger reaction. Uh, you mm -hmm. know, what's the saying? The squeaky wheel gets the, 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 the whatever squeaky wheels the get. I thought you were going to finish my analogy there. But grease. <laughs> the grease? No, okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, that works for me. All right. Yeah. But you know, I think that's just it. I think it's just that, you know, we'll we'll keep an eye on it. And I know that, uh, you know, the, the Halton District School Board uh, are certainly aware of this. But what they want to emphasize more than anything else is obviously that this is an internal matter. And also that there was a name circulated as part of uh, who people think this teacher is. Uh, that mm -hmm. name was released and, and widely circulated. And the Halton District School Board and the, the, the school in question has had to release a statement saying, we're not going to tell you who it is, but we mm. will tell you that, frankly, it's not that person. That person okay. that everyone thinks it is, is an entirely different person. It is not that person. Uh, we're not mm -hmm. going to name them because we're not going to continue to tie this person's name to the story. But um, mm -hmm. if you're listening to this and you're thinking, oh, yeah, no, it's, it's teacher, teacher so-and-so, um, unless you're in the school and, and know for sure, um, a lot of the early reporting mischaracterized the name of the, the teacher involved. Um, and that's mm -hmm. also, I think, indicative of these kind of uh, knee-jerk reactions to, uh, to the kind of popularism that we're seeing at the moment. Mm -hmm. Popularism? Well, it's it's a, it's a hot button topic. We're seeing a lot of these protests against trans representation in the states, and we're starting to see a, a little bit of it echoed here. Um, but you know, taking the, just taking a beat, figuring out: do we have all the facts straight? Do we have all of the information? You know, and I think that that takes a little bit of time. And I think that that pause, that reflection, was maybe missing from some of the early reporting and the early reaction to it. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, moving on to some lighter news, uh, and it's not often I would have started the conversation on lighter news uh, and then connecting it with monkeypox. But I right. am going to, because monkeypox in Canada had uh, a few days in the last week where there were no new reported cases. Ooh. Which is fantastic news. This is great to see that uh, monkeypox has uh, slowed. It's not completely solved. I believe it was the Minister of Health recently. Um, it was either the Minister of Health or the uh, World Health Organization. I forget which one. But one of them recently released a statement saying, you know, monkeypox has essentially really slowed down quite substantially. Um, mm -hmm. And it has to do with the fact that the most vulnerable centers of infection, the folks where it, where it was spreading fastest, all went and got vaccinated. And right. that is the gay community because we have been talking about it for weeks. We were talking about access to the health clinics in Toronto, Montreal, and Vancouver, and even Ottawa became a bit of a hub. Um, and the community has identified this risk, identified the fact that we are we are quite vulnerable um, and have been out there getting vaccinated, you know, almost en masse. Um, it, mm -hmm. And that has really curtailed the spread of monkeypox uh, in those communities. 
I was somewhat shocked to see the statistics that are now available. They've now released demographics of the monkeypox um, outbreak. Uh, and I don't know if you've seen those demographics. I have not. Here, let's take a look. Yeah, you're going to look them up as well? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So as okay, we mentioned yeah. earlier, there's now about 667 cases in Ontario, 517 in Quebec, and then 158 in uh, BC. The rate of new infections has slowed down substantially. The last official government statement on monkeypox was from the 12th of August. So this has completely fallen off of the government's, uh, you know, we should talk about it radar. Um, but like I said, in terms of new infections, it is it is substantially slower. I think we're talking about one or maybe two. I think there was one infection yesterday reported, uh, two the day before, nothing the day before that, and then two and then one. So it's very sporadic. Um, but if you think you have symptoms, please go out and get uh, tested. The majority of folks who have contracted uh, monkeypox in Canada have actually been between the ages of 30 and 39, about 527 or 40% of the cases were Ooh. between the ages of 30 and 39. And then uh, it splits kind of either side, 18 to 29 year olds were 23%, 40 to 49 year olds were about 23%, and then 9% was 50 to 59 year olds, and then 2% was 60 to 69 year olds. But what jumps out at me is that 70 to 79, there were four 70 to 79 year olds who contracted monkeypox. There were four okay. 10 to 17 year olds who contracted monkeypox in Canada and one zero to nine year old who contacted contracted okay. monkeypox in Canada. And those numbers really jump out at me. And I think that the reason why that may have happened is because it was skin to skin contact. And we've re-emphasized yeah. that so many times. It's skin to skin contact, it's touching lesions, um, you know, we were hearing about how in France a dog caught it off of their owner's bed, for example. It's about access, you know, when you're you're touching these uh, these uh, infected, uh, uh, potentially even infected surfaces, but definitely skin-to-skin -skin contact um, is what has caused it. I think that goes a long way to explaining these uh, very young and very old transmissions of monkeypox in Canada. I should hope so, yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> yes. I Actually, even uh, a lot of the people, I, I do, yeah. Even quite a few of the people in the 20 to 50 range would have been skin to skin contact or just like the, the, the old issue of uh, it can spread through saliva and the saliva need not be fresh. So you can have like just, you know, somebody uses a spoon or somebody sips from somebody else's straw. You know, all the same ways you get mononucleosis or the common cold. Um, the poxes are also carried by saliva. So, you know, the, the, it, it, skin to skin contact is one of the most common ones. But there, there's other methods as well. And uh, you're, you're going to get edge cases with that as well. Absolutely. All right, we're going to jump to our first track. This is Feeling Lucky by Kuvaro, and we'll be back just after this. I'm feeling lucky. The sun jumped out of my day. 
your name into a candle Lit it up and went to bed I'm feeling lucky While the sticky incense burns Rooms of smoke dangled in fur Lots of kiss strips from my curls Lavender And jasmine oil Lavender And jasmine Here comes a sigh with a whisper and a shout. I can't be stopped. Nothing can stop me now. Oh, well, here comes a sigh with a whisper and a shout. I can't be stopped. Nothing can stop me now. Oh, well, no. To the right, I'm feeling lucky, like the tragedy is over. Volition gushing from my pores, I'm tending to the clover. comes a sigh with a whisper and a shout I can't be stopped nothing can stop me now back to Can Queer, home of Canada's queer media. My name is Luke Smith. And I'm Sebastian. And uh, we just had a sneak peek of the next track. Uh, it was just lined up and I wasn't quite quick enough to, uh, to catch it uh, between the two. You know, it's just these things. The automation doesn't, the automation waits for no man, I think is really the, uh, the solution there. Um, all right. In the next uh, in the next song break, we might uh, switch you over for uh, the phone to get a better signal from you there, Seb. So we'll keep an eye on that. I think we're having a bit of a bit of a connection issue at the okay. moment. Yeah. 
But it does seem clear, nice and clear now. Right. Um, so that was Monkey Cox. Great news. Uh, the last thing I wanted to mention that on is uh, they, in India, they took about 90 samples of monkeypox and they did a study on the genetics of the disease and they found that it had Ooh. about 13 mutations from the initial version that uh, crossed over to humans in the 70s so 13 that's that's a lot yeah and i think that's everyone's like oh my gosh why and how is monkeypox you know uh, leaping all over the world uh you know mm -hmm. you know in a, in a sort of monkeyish fashion um and it's it really confused people as to how it had become so virulent um, and yeah, so now they're starting to do that sort of genetic uh, uh, breakdown of, of monkeypox. Well, there's, a, there's a, a feature called the genetic clock, and that is uh, genes will mutate at a predictable rate. That's how we can predict how far back, you know, like uh, how th there's a single gene that doubles the size of your brain. And that's like one of the biggest genes that distinguishes chimpanzees. Well, chimpanzees and bonobos from humans one gene and we know approximately how long ago it mutated just because of this genetic clock and, and how frequent mutations happen and it's usually on the scale of thousands of years like 13 mutate viruses yeah they replicate a lot faster than humans do but 13 mutations in such a short period that's weird there's something weird going on here that's weird that's well, all i gotta say to that we'll continue to keep an eye on it but i think it's worth mentioning that uh canada is not the only place to see monkeypox uh cases stabilizing uh, australia has also recently announced that they're seeing monkeypox uh stabilizing uh, across australia um and mm -hmm. i think we're seeing it in essentially those areas where it was starting to hit first and hit fast um, where mm -hmm. people subsequently panicked and, and uh, the gay community got vaccinated as quickly as possible. We're starting to see it subside. So uh, North America, Western Europe, uh, there still is a concern about areas with uh, less uh, public health infrastructure. We saw similar concern with COVID-19 um, when that rolled out. Everyone was really worried about how it would impact countries with uh, less robust public health infrastructure. So that's something mm -hmm. that we continue to keep an eye on. Um, but there's been a bit of a backlash for a Chinese uh, health official, the epidemiologist for the Chinese Center for Disease uh, Control and Prevention, essentially the Chinese CDC, uh, Mr. Wu Zanyu, uh, made a comment on Weibo, essentially saying, and I quote, I quote a translation here, uh, in order to prevent possible monkeypox infection as part of our healthy lifestyle, it is recommended that, and he goes on to say, you do not have direct skin-to-skin -skin contact with foreigners. Um, and then essentially uh, speaking about... Uh, uh, just the other advice in general. Now, it's worth noting that China has very few cases of monkeypox, and mm -hmm. most of the monkeypox that has come in so far in China is from people visiting from overseas. Um, yep. So, on the one hand, people have said that this uh, recommendation is potentially racist against foreigners, causing potential panic, um, but I think this is one of those... Uh, Sebastian, have you ever talked to an engineer... Oh, yeah. Uh, I talk to engineers all day. Actually, yes, you do. And sometimes, <laughs> like, my, my stepfather's an engineer, and sometimes when you talk to an engineer, they, they tell you the thing as per described. There's yes. no politicking. There's no, uh, you know, it, it says it's this, and I'm going to tell you it is this. And, and that is yeah, what yeah. it says. In the chain. And I get sometimes that uh, doctors are also, uh, you know, 
How do yeah. you get monkeypox? Skin-to-skin contact. Who has the monkeypox? People outside China. Therefore, don't touch people outside China. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. I can see I can see how he got there. You know what I mean? I think it makes yeah. sense. Yeah. There, there's no polite way of telling somebody uh, your bridge is going to fall down. Like, engineers talk the way they do for a reason. And mm. um, it, it's... I mean, I, I don't see this as, xenopho- uh, as racist as much as I see it as xenophobic. Uh, but, it, I mean, you're right. It, uh, it's... Uh, Chinese people don't have it. Foreigners have it. Therefore try to stay away from foreigners as much as you can it's it's weird to say um i i don't know i, I there's probably a polite way of putting it i guess that's what you could say yeah <laughs> well, we'll, there, we'll a more polite way yeah we'll keep an eye on it as it develops now one of the things that has been causing quite the uh, stir is the jeffrey dahmer uh, um, series out on Netflix. Now, uh, are you familiar with the Def- Jeffrey Dahmer murders or uh, the series that's out now on Netflix? I'm guessing no. Oh, we may have lost the connection. All right. Well, Jeffrey Dahmer, also known as the Milwaukee Cannibal or the Milwaukee Monster, was an American serial killer and uh, a substantial sex offender from active from 1978 to 1991. Um, the things that he has been accused of are truly grotesque. Um, mm-hmm. And his list of uh, victims are... Uh, vary in in age and uh, i believe there were 12 of them uh, and some of them were underage he certainly targeted uh, uh young men and boys i'm going to just make a note to make sure that we are recognizing the names of those that was stephen mark hicks uh stephen walter toomey uh james Edward, doxa tartar uh richard guerrero uh, anthony lee sears raymond lamont smith edward warren smith Ernest Marquez Miller, uh, David Courtney Thomas, uh, Curtis Darrell Strotter, uh, Errol Lindsay, and Tony Anthony Hughes, as well as Conorak Sinthasomfong, um, Matt Cleveland Turner, Jeremiah Benjamin Weinberger, uh, Oliver Joseph Lacey, Joseph Arthur Bredhoft, uh, as well. Now, every few years, there is a documentary or a podcast or a book or a crew trying drama or a tv adaptation um everyone from dateline to the bbc to channel 4 a and e everyone's had a crack at making a documentary about the jeffrey dahmer um serial murders in the late 80s early late 70s through to early 90s but it is the adaptation by netflix with uh, ryan murphy now, Ryan Murphy makes great television, uh, gripping television. I am I am a personally a giant Ryan Murphy fan. I, what he produces is like television gold dust. Um, mm-hmm. But the Jeffrey Dahmer adaptation has been criticized, not from necessarily the production or the viewing quality, but for really interesting reasons. The first one I want to talk about is how... Uh, they Netflix had initially tagged the Jeffrey Dahmer adaptation um, as an LGBT program. So you know how you're on Netflix and you're like, oh, and you look and you're like, okay, this is a horror or a thriller or, you know, a strong female lead. 
Um, and it kind of okay, gives yeah. you an indication of what the, the key themes are of this thing. Well, you can also look at the key themes of LGBT, and it sort of shows you LGBT stories. Now, mm-hmm. there was a significant backlash to Netflix targeting the Jeffrey Dahmer story, uh, or Monster, the Jeffrey Dahmer story that was released on the 21st of September as LGBT, because uh, people were like, this is not the story that represents the queer community. Um, and now Netflix has actually removed that tag. Uh, I mean, just because it's not flattering doesn't mean it doesn't fit. I mean, the, the story, I mean, whether or not Jeffrey Dahmer himself identified as LGBT, I, I don't know about that. But it's definitely of interest to the LGBTQ community, especially gay and bisexual men. Um, there are going to be some things that are unflattering to the community. And... Um, I don't know. I, I I don't know about removing that tag. I I I think I disagree with that that decision. Um, sort of like you know, if you were to talk about I don't know Chinese history, you got five thousand years of imperial glory to go through. Mm-hmm. You also have five thousand years of uh, bad decisions, slavery, mass murder, uh, burning libraries, a whole bunch of stuff. Like it, it's it's complicated, and I think. The moment you start handling something with kid gloves and you say, no, you cannot ever say anything negative about this group. I don't know how so I feel are we about talking that. About China and also, or the states, I didn't catch which one you were. Uh, oh, just in general. Oh, I see. <laughs> I mean, your list applies to both. So I wasn't sure yeah, which yeah. one you were referring well, to. Also, the LGBT community, like there have been some there have been some bad gays. There have been bad gays. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and I agree with you as well. And that's why I kind of wanted to talk about it, because. You know, I believe that when things are flagged as CanCon or, or by LGBT creators, like Ryan Murphy, I believe, is openly gay. Um, the the victims are queer. It is an incident in queer history in the States that I think is pertinent. And what's, I think, most pertinent is the importance of uh, taking care of ourselves and mm-hmm. just basic safety. That's something that we communicate a lot about in our show. But it's, you know, we, the, the message I'm saying here is the same as when we were talking about the Stephen Porter murders in London, in the UK, in the late 20-teens, uh, or Bruce MacArthur even in Toronto, and uh, mm-hmm. the, the murders that took place during that time. Essentially, you know, letting folks know where you're going, even if it's just one person, you know, creating a bread trail so that you're never... Uh, missing or you're you're not uh, easily missing and it's just it's it is unfortunate but this kind of safety i think doesn't always make its way to the forefront in in you know in the queer community and that's always something important to to come back to i don't know Mm -hmm. he he predominantly killed queer men Uh, it was done by a queer creator um somebody did reasonably point out that it didn't have the true crime tag, but it okay. did have uh, the LGBT tag. So I'm like, okay, well, if Netflix doesn't consider it true crime enough to be true crime, but gay enough to be LGBT, um, then maybe that's, uh, you know, someone needs to triage uh, where they stick the signs. But I also have a feeling that this uh, decision to target as LGBTQ was probably made by somebody who has to tag all the programs um, and that was the, you know, 37th one he tagged that week or what have you. Yeah, you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? It's like sometimes we, we forget to give people the benefit of the doubt, the benefit mm-hmm. of there's lots of things that need tagging. Maybe this was just a lack of foresight. Um, mm-hmm. 
And also, evidently, people don't all agree here on whether or not it should or should not be tagged as LGBTQ. Hmm. Well, the, uh, oh, what was the movie called? Party Monster, I think, starring not Macaulay Culkin, but Macaulay Culkin's brother. Uh, about a real-life uh, murder that happened in the late 90s with um, in the rave scene and how the, the rave scene kind of fell apart after there's this one guy who uh, had a very exciting night that that ended murder. Um, and it's it's considered to be an LGBT movie, uh, mostly because they were going around in the, the queer scene of New York City, I believe, in the late 90s. I don't know. I got no problem with uh, this being tagged as being you know, of interest to the LGBTQ community. It's not flattering, but it's it's a valid tag. So one of the other things that's emerged is uh, a cousin to one of the witnesses that spoke at Jeffrey Dormer's trial. I believe it was. she was the sister of one of the victims. Um, that sister's cousin has gone to Twitter to really critique the fact that Netflix has really pushed. This is, you know, it's the number one viewed you know, it's it's their current uh, flagship show of the moment. It is okay. the, the cause de jour of of Netflix television um, at the moment. But the critique is like, look, you know, it's it's re-traumatizing to have had your brother or your son or your close one um, horrifically murdered by Jeffrey Dahmer, mm-hmm. um, and if not him, then then others. Um, but then to have that pushed as a big major production by Netflix. Um, but what was really interesting that kind of emerged in, in the Twitter conversation with this family member of the victim is that apparently victims, generally speaking, are not told that these things are forthcoming. But mm. rather, you know, once every few months, they'll get, a, you know, a barrage of emails and phone calls because the latest uh, documentary or film adaptation or book or or serial podcast uh, about their horrific incident in their lives uh, has now gone to air or to print. Um, I don't know. I just, I think about our coverage of the Bruce MacArthur murders and mm-hmm. the, uh, you know, the amount of time, the, the folks that he murdered. And I think about um, those in our audience who may have known the victims closely, related, the loved ones of those victims. And... Mm-hmm. Just, I just, uh, you know, how soon is too soon is really the, mm. the question, you know? Well, I mean, ever is too soon. Um, but I think, I mean, it's the difference between a, a docudrama, uh, an exciting movie starring Ryan Gosling, uh, and a documentary. You know, a documentary can be made in a very dignified way that kind of is used to warn the public about the possibilities or educate the public or, uh, you know, dispel myths or to clarify common misconceptions. Um, but, you know, when you get your blockbuster movie, you know, with Jared Leto, uh, um, uh, method acting as some famous serial killer as Boba the clown, uh, it's a very different tone. There's something about the spectacle of it that makes a spectacle of the real history of it. And I think 
I don't know. To me, it's one of those things where it kind of comes down to marketing. How many movies failed because the marketing missold or oversold the product? And mm. I think in this case, this is this is a product that can be informative and interesting and educational and sort of a, a, a tragic warning story. Um, and if you market it wrong, it comes off as glitz and glam, and you don't want glitz and glam when you're talking about Jeffrey Dahmer. I think it could be just a misfire on Netflix's behalf, trying to do maybe not necessarily a good thing, but an informative thing, and it just didn't come out the way they meant it to. I think there's also a bit of a learning opportunity here because you know this is generating a lot of eyeballs. A lot of people are viewing this and and talking about it. But what it makes me wonder is, you know, maybe it would have been appropriate to allocate uh, some of the funds generated from this. Uh, to to be make made available to the victims of this uh, this you know the the this serial or we just make a donation for uh, trauma recovery groups. Yeah, or just something to indicate that look, you know, we are you know we, this isn't we're not just profiteering off yeah. of uh, this horrific incident that happened to people, and then representing the worst day in their lives in a television show. You know what I mean? Mm. I think that there is uh, a sense of humanity and compassion that can be applied here to to the people that we're representing. Because, you know, even as great TV, you know, mm. it's great TV based on a real thing that happened to somebody on the worst day of their lives that could ever yeah. be imagined, someone's life cruelly snatched away and yeah. uh you know for us it's popcorn and five minutes of light entertainment you know i think that there is a a, a mismatch and maybe netflix can consider that as they make more because there's no stopping them now but as mm. they make more yeah. true crime inspired uh programming um, you know considering the impact on the on the victims yeah. even many years later i think is going to be key Mostly, I'm just disappointed that of all the true crime stories they could have done, no one has yet to do the true story of the great Canadian Maple Heist. You know, I would watch that. I would watch that. I, I would. I have casting recommendations. It will be. Yep. It, it'll be great. All right, let's jump. How to... do you steal twenty thousand barrels overnight? Yes, millions. It doesn't of matter that it's yeah. maple syrup. It could have been oil. Like there's just something magical that it's happened the, the, on that the day. The logistics makes you wonder. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think for our listeners who don't know what the Great Canadian Maple Heist is, uh, you should Google it. Um, it it's is, exactly what it sounds like. It it's is. exactly what it sounds like. Exactly. <laughs> All right, we're playing next with anticipating. Uh, this is a brand new track by Tisa Rahim, and we'll be back just after this. This night is gonna go But I know I've dreamt it A thousand times before And in my dreams you're wild And keep me up all night Yeah, for rounds One, two, three, and four And now that we're here Everything's on the table Both of us getting faded Are you willing and able? Can you jump in head first? Cause I wanted you to taste it Boy, you got me going, going crazy Anticipating, waiting on your call Anticipating, the writing's on the wall No hesitating, boy, you're amazing You got me waiting, waiting on your 
And welcome back to Ken Queer, home of Canada's queer media. My name is Luke Smith. And my name is Sebastian. All right. And uh, we're going to keep on going. Uh, you you said a nice lady uh, tried to take your call. And I think I just saw Jessica coming, <laughs> dashing in to see me. Um, and I assume <laughs> that Jessica was the nice lady you were, uh, you were referring to. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, so let's start off with good news. And I'm not going to just be referring to a, a, a virulent uh, disease this time. I'm referring to a referendum vote in Cuba. And in Cuba, they were voting this past weekend on whether or not to legalize a whole swath of things, including uh, legalizing same-sex marriage and allowing LGBTQ couples to adopt children, uh, amongst a bunch of other progressive measures as well. Now, the early indications from the Cuban referendum is that it has passed and uh, LGBT Cubans now, um, I think uh, about 67% uh, of the citizens uh, voted in favor of uh, the, 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 the measures, um, according to at least some early, early results. Um, but yeah, we're talking about same-sex marriage and adoption being legalized in Cuba by a Ooh. recent referendum, which is very exciting to see happen uh, over there. I mean, it's just great news. It's it's always nice yep. to share good news. Most countries, when they legalize same-sex marriage, property rights, inheritance rights, and visitation rights come dragged along with it. So marriage is more than just marriage. It's often a, a package deal with a bunch of other stuff. Also, uh, partner benefits, if you work at the kind of job that has that sort of thing. Absolutely. Now, we talked about, uh, in June, we talked about the pretty shocking news of a shooting at what was called the London Pub in Oslo, uh, in Norway, uh, right during the same weekend as uh, Oslo Pride, um, during uh, during the Pride weekend. And if, you, if our listeners recall, uh, immediately after Oslo Pride um, went, uh, the shooting took place, folks still marched uh, and really kind of reclaimed the streets, despite advice uh, not to, as there were shooters, um, they did so anyway in a, in a sort of a show of strength and community. Um, I only bring this up is because on Sunday, uh, police in Norway have announced that they've arrested an additional two men in connection with the uh, shooting in Oslo uh, last oh, wow. June. Uh, there was a Somali citizen in his 40s and a Norwegian citizen in his 30s. Um, that were arrested. Um, there was one that had been arrested at the time, and there was a fourth person that they very much want to arrest, uh, but they believe is currently in Pakistan. Uh, so the oh. uh, Oslo police have sent someone to Pakistan, and they are they are literally on the ground, uh, or they may have been in the, in the last week or so um, with uh, with the police in Pakistan. Uh, to uh, to arrest the the outstanding fourth person accused in the shooting at Pride in Oslo. So yeah, quite the uh, quite the update uh, on that one. That's a that's a, a long investigation that they're still looking for him. Although I suppose if you disappear into the wind, it takes a while to get found. Absolutely. Well, maybe they went to Sarnia. So we've talked a lot about a little bit how the football association, so for our North American friends, the soccer association, um, and how mm -hmm. the World Football Cup will be going, uh, the World Soccer Cup, uh, will be happening in Qatar in the Middle East later this year. Now, this has raised 
eyebrows. It's raised questions as to what that would look like. It would raise uh, the literal temperatures of anyone visiting because, of course, it is very warm um, in, mm-hmm. in the Middle East. And mind you, it's also very warm in, in, in Canada and in the middle of summer. But uh, it, it raised a lot of questions about the practicality of it. Now, the FA, the Football Association, has announced, essentially said that the Qatari police will not be arresting LGBTQI fans who are holding hands or kissing in public at the World Cup. Now, there was some genuine concern from fans who were attending the games in Qatar um, that any kind of displays of affection or, you know, uh, staying in the same hotel room or, you know, all, you know, it, it was a real fear that with homosexuality criminalized in Qatar at this moment, um, that any kind of expression of, of homosexuality uh, would be uh, would be arrested. Now, I think it's mm-hmm. worth noting that how police treat large international events, how police treat tourists, and how police treat the locals um, ought to be the same universally, but uh, I'm sure, as everyone is aware, sometimes those different people uh, get treated a little bit differently by police services, mm-hmm. um, especially in various countries around the world. So I'm unsurprised that the Qatari police, during a major sporting event, are not going to be looking at whether or not you're holding your partner's hand. You know what I mean? It's it's it, it's like, okay. It reminds me of... Um, during the Queen's funeral, various LGBT uh, events in public spaces were cancelled because there was no police available to police them. And it's like, yes, because there's, you know, 50 heads of state visiting. They're going to be slightly busy yeah. elsewhere doing something else. Um, and I think that that's the same thing happening here. No one's really going to be looking at whose hand you're holding when they're trying to corral crowds of tens of thousands uh, in and out mm-hmm. of small spaces. You know, there's genuinely people are going to be going to be busy but i think it's not just the active enforcement of these anti-gay laws in qatar that is of concern it is you know the safety being in the street the safety getting getting in and out of public transport getting in and out of a cab you know you're you're putting yourself and your safety uh, into the hands of a lot of people when you're entering and exiting spaces uh, in and out of qatar so i don't know it'll be really interesting to see if anything happens, um, but uh, the Qataris don't really want to talk about it because it's not. <laughs> they'd rather focus uh-huh. on on hosting the football and all the fun and games, uh, literally uh-huh. the fun and the games, um, and not about the fact that folks are very concerned. Uh, the captain of the English football team and the captains of several other teams are going to be wearing an armband. I think it's called the the One Love armband. It has a representation of a rainbow and a, a number one symbol on it, um, essentially to really emphasize that the sport is welcoming to everybody, uh, regardless of sexual orientation uh, or gender identity. Um, and normally I'm, I'm very so-so on politics going into sports. You know, I think mm-hmm. that we, we've seen... We've seen some pros and some cons on that particular debate, but oh, in, a, yes. in a country where it is very much against the law and uh, the yeah. local population are, uh, you know, when the world isn't watching, um, it's not the best place to be. Um, I think uh-huh. raising awareness, you know, makes a point. You know, I think that it, it is relevant in some spaces and that would be uh-huh. one of them. 
Well, I for one hope that nothing interesting happens. And I mean that in a good way. Absolutely. Yes. We hope yeah. that everyone goes to the football, has a good time, and then leaves. <laughs> and that is that is the the gist of it. That is what we are. What our hope is. We hope you go have a good time and then you leave. Um, but yeah, that's that's pretty much where that's at. Um, there has been a few other news stories happening. Uh, Nigeria is potentially looking at criminalizing cross dressing, including criminalizing the possessions of photos or videos. Uh, of cross-dressing that may have been taken in a private space. This will effectively legalize trans folks as any representation or clothing that doesn't match your assigned gender at birth or assigned sex at birth uh, could fall foul of this law in Nigeria. It's very extreme. It's not in place yet. It has been proposed. We're also keeping an eye on the Belgian Catholic bishops because the Belgian Catholic bishops have agreed to bless committed same-sex unions. Uh, this is very much not in line with the rulings that have been issued by the Vatican Church. Um, and uh, yeah, the Belgian Catholic bishops uh, appear to be diverging a little bit from the Vatican um, on that front. Uh, but yeah, I think that's about all we have time for today as we've covered a whole swath of news from around the country. Uh, was there anything that you feel that we may have missed? Uh, oh, I mean, obviously we missed a ton of stuff, but, you know, we've only got two minutes left. So, I mean, I don't know. Part of me just wants to say, have a nice week, everyone. Absolutely. Now, I did want to mention very quick. I think I can, I think I can get this in. The Queer as oh, okay. Folk reboot uh, is not going to see a season two. And uh, oh. some folks are a bit upset about that, but I think it's because it was orphaned all the way on its own on uh, the Peacock subscription service. So <laughs> it really didn't, uh, it didn't, you know, it wasn't really given the legs to run with to begin with. Uh, not, not a huge number of people had access to it. Um, so yeah, it, it, it is unfortunate, but uh, also not particularly surprising that uh, mm -hmm. it, uh, it didn't do so well. Now, I have been obsessed with this new track. It is a, a French track. It is called Allez La, uh, but this is by Hoshi, and we will be back next week. I have been Luke Smith. And I've been Sebastian, and thank you for listening. On se voit aujourd'hui, je te dis demain Je sors de mon lit, il est 15h du matin J'ai raté ma vie et même mon train A votre avis, est-ce que je vais bien On dit que la nuit porte conseil Comment on fait quand y a le soleil Je me recouche dès que je me réveille Mais y a cette voix dans mes oreilles Allez là, te laisse pas crever comme ça Donne du travail au karma Garde la main sur le cœur même à Tu tombes pas, fais de tes failles un combat Essuie tous tes pleurs sinon tu te noies Allez là sous vide, je crois que je vais crever J'ai peur de l'avenir, j'ai peur de rêver J'ai mal au bide, à force de penser Je vis mes souvenirs pour m'en rappeler mon propre silence fait du bruit Pourtant je danse toute la nuit Je n'ai plus confiance en la vie Pourtant il y a cette voix qui me crie Allez là, 
Te laisse pas crever comme ça Donne du travail au karma Garde la main sur le cœur Même à bout de bras Allez là Comment te relever si tu tombes pas Fais de tes failles un combat Essuie tous tes pleurs Sinon tu te noies Allez là Te laisse pas crever comme ça Donne du travail au karma Garde la main sur le cœur Même à bout de bras Allez là Comment te relever si tu tombes pas Fais de tes failles un combat Essuie tous tes pleurs Sinon tu te noies 